This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Father, we thank you so much for your precious presence today. We thank you for your grace and your anointing. We've come to hear from heaven. You are our living God. You're our King. You're our Lord. You're our Savior. And so we want to hear your word. So I'll make it known. I thank you for the privilege of being your voice tonight. I also make it known that I submit myself under your mighty hand and that I want to be just like my Jesus. To only say that which you have given me to say. And that by your grace I may speak that word with clarity and accuracy. And as your word goes forth, you'd ignite it with your presence and take it deep into the heart of every hearer, causing faith to rise as it dispels every form of fear. As minds are renewed to your word, understanding replaces confusion. And I believe that each and every one of us today are transformed from glory to glory. For this we give you alone the praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Family, if you're ready to receive, would you shout amen? amen. Praise God. As you see that open your Bible at 1 Samuel chapter 17. Did I just get some more sound back on the platform when it echoed like that? It, I lost it all. So thank you. That's better. 1 Samuel 17, you have to play a little bit of a balancing act there. Let me see, how many of you are excited about the year ahead? How many of you are so excited about the year ahead? How many of you know God has a plan for your life? How many of you want to see when you end 2019 that everything God designed for you to happen this year is fulfilled? You don't want to get to heaven one day and say, was 2019 supposed to look like that? I only had like 10% of it happen. How many of you want the fullness of God to happen in your life? Let's have a look here. 1 Samuel chapter 17. What happened in chapter 17, we see that uh, the Israelites were up out in the valley with uh, the Philistines on the other side. And the Philistines had sent their champion out named Goliath. He was a huge man. They called him a giant. And massive stood head, shoulders way taller above everybody else. And he was shouting the odds and calling out somebody to come and fight him. And the, and the deal was that if whoever could beat Goliath, if they could kill him, then Israel would win that war. And of course, if he killed them, then they've won the war. And ultimately, Goliath was really after Saul. Saul was their general. He stood head and shoulders above everybody else, and he was the king at the time. And that's really who Goliath wanted to take down. But what had happened is all of Israel were lying shivering in their foxholes, really scared about going out there. And what happened was that David's father asked him to take some lunch down to his brothers. David at this time was probably between 17 and 21, a very young guy, just looking after the sheep, wasn't a military man. And he went down to the battlefield, with this food. And when he arrived and saw what was going on here, he was deeply upset about it. And we see this response here. And he says in verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. What had happened was he was busy chirping. We should be taking this Philistine down. And all his brothers were telling him to be quiet. And so eventually when he gets to Saul, he's making all this noise, and now he's with Saul. He says to Saul, let no man's heart fail him. Let no man's heart 
fail him. Family of God, I don't care what you come up against. I don't know what giant you're dealing with right now. It may not be a person, but all of us face giants in life. It may be a giant like cancer. It may be a giant like a financial destruction. Something happened. You lost your business, lost all your finances, all your income. Maybe a relationship giant. It may be just something that you're going into that's new, but it seems bigger than you can able to handle. The enemy has come against you with something, and normally you can handle life, but every now and then something arises. Let me see how many of you have dealt with a situation where normally you can figure it out, work it out, but sometimes something shows up and you go, I don't know what to do yet. Let me see how many of you have ever faced a giant like that. And God's word to you today is let not your heart fail. Don't allow your heart to fail. I tell you, when you're pressed up between the rock and the hard place, it's very easy to get to a place where you say, I can't do this anymore. And usually I notice, having pastored a church for 25 years, it always seems to be for some reason on the 31st of December, when midnight clicks over, people think, well, that's the time to give up on everything. I'm changing everything that I do. I'm going in a totally different direction. And family God, very often we give up things that we know God is calling us to do, but it gets heavy because of the giants. We walk away from the battlefield, and ultimately the giant wins. And I'm yet to, to encourage you today. You may have faced some heavy giants this last year, but don't allow your heart to fail. Can I get a bigger amen? Say, I refuse to allow my heart to fail. And David says, your servant, that's me. I'll go and I'll fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're a youth and he's a man of war from his youth. Every time you step out to do something for God, particularly if God has called you something that I've also learned in life, when God calls you to do something, it's usually something you've never done before. And there is enough well-educated, well-experienced people to tell you, you are now way out of your depth. Who do you think you are? This giant has been around much longer than you. Yeah, but I'm taking him down. You don't even understand what you're saying. Have you ever been on a battlefield before? Come on, how many of you ever had somebody, when you said, I believe God's called me to do this, someone turns around and says, no, come on, I mean, you, don't, you know that's not real. How many of you had something like that ever happen to you? Every one of us. In verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it. And I delivered the lamb from his mouth. And then when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and I killed it. Man, I love that picture. Can you imagine? I don't know about you, but most people... If they're busy looking after a bunch of sheep and a lion comes running out, I don't care if it's got a lamb or not. I'm not going to stick around to see what he's going to do. Come on, how do you know? If a lion comes running out the bush, you're going to go, <laughs> the sheep are on their own. But this young guy turns around and he gets up and he runs after that lion. And I want you to notice, I used to think that he killed the lion and then got the sheep. No, this tells him that he got the thing, pulled his mouth open, got the sheep out and let, he, the lion could have gone. But it's when the lion turned on him. 
Hello, he just wanted his sheep. You can go back to the bush. But if the lion turned on him, he grabs it by the beard. And bump! Next moment, he kills it with his bare hands. Can you imagine that picture? And he's saying he didn't just do it with a lion. He did it with a bear as well. And then verse 36. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing he's defied the armies of the living God. Family, your key right there is uncircumcised. Why did he bring that up of all things? Why would he talk about the guy whether he has a circumcision or not? Circumcision is the mark of the covenant. In the flesh under the old covenant. This, every single Israeli right there was circumcised. Any one of them could have stood up just like David. And he says, this Philistine is uncircumcised. I don't care how big he is, where he comes from. I don't care what his name is. I don't care what his experience is. I don't care how he can fight. Whether he's fought much more than I have. The fact that he's uncircumcised immediately puts him on the losing side. Family, how many of you have a covenant with God? It is a new and a better covenant. When an enemy comes against you, you don't flinch. You have the covenant. You have the promises of God. You have the whole of heaven backing you up. Who is this one without a covenant? And he says yeah, in verse 37, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me, the Lord who delivered me, from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David knew no man in his right mind can take out a lion or a bear. But he knew when he did it, God took over when he moved on his ball. And this giant, maybe I can't beat him in the flesh. But the fact that I have a covenant with God, just the same way God delivered me every single time, He will deliver me again. Now, family God, I want you to pick up on something here. He didn't go to God and say, is this what you want me to do? He didn't find out if God called him to kill giants. He didn't wonder, he didn't say, guys, let me go just spend some time praying and let me get a witness if this is for me to do. This is a problem. No one else is dealing with it. I am on the scene. I understand covenant. And if I go in the name of God, God will fully back me up. He knew he's God and he knew. He just has to, he doesn't have to say, God, is it okay? He knew if he steps out in the name of God, God will always back him up. Family, whatever you do for the kingdom of God, you don't have to ask God for permission. Just get out there and do it, and you'll see God show up. Come on, give him glory. You see, he said in verse 29, Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Something that I've learned about God when I've studied out the word of God. I know that each one of us have been put on this earth for a specific purpose. Each one of us are equipped to do certain things. We know that the prophet was called before he was formed in the mother's womb. We understand all of that. But I've noticed that God anoints causes 
more than he anoints people. He anoints the cause. When the person shows up in the cause, the anointing for that cause comes on that person. Oh, come on, you got to get a hold of this. God anointed Saul to take out the Philistines. When he didn't do it, David showed up and says, what is the cause? What is God's purpose here? God's purpose is to take out the Philistines. And if no one else will do it, I will do it. And the anointing showed up on David to do it. Family, what is the cause? Why am I called? I'm not called just to preach on a pulpit. God didn't put the anointing on me so that I could teach messages well. No, the cause is to get our city saved, to get our nation turned, to see the gospel of Jesus up in the high places, in places of government, in places of influence. That's the cause. Jesus' inheritance is nations. He said, I'll make you a great nation. He said, go make disciples of all people. No, nations. Isn't that right? His desire is to see South Africa discipled and turned with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How is he going to do that? When the church rises up and says, is there not a cause? And when whoever steps into that cause, the anointing will be there for them to take it. Hallelujah. One of them... Before I understood this and meditated on it, one of the shockers that I got one day, a prophet prophesied over my life, and we had just planted the church in Cape Town. And he said to me, you are not God's first choice. That's humbling. You think, God called me to Cape Town. No, he called a whole bunch of others. But no one showed up. Some showed up and then gave up. And when I heard that, I could have gone, excuse me, I thought I was the man. See, that, that's pride. When I heard that you're not my first choice, I also know I'm not his last. That if I don't step into the cause, he'll find the next person that steps into the cause. That person will grab that anointing. And I have to show up in my cause. Family of God, it's time for us as a church to show up in South Africa with the full force of heaven in us and working through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a greater amen? Come on, give Jesus praise if you're getting this today. You know, as we end at the end of the year last year, I hear it every single year. I hear people saying, I'm so glad that year is over. Thank God. God, a new year's coming up. I'm done with the year. And I used to, when we did our New Year's Eve messages, we have a New Year's Eve service, 10 p.m. We go into the new year. God gives us a prophetic word. Usually I started my services with that exact thing. How many of you glad the year's over? Ooh, hallelujah. Well, the next one's in, up in an hour or so. Let's preach it in. And then one year, last year was two years ago. I was preparing, and the Lord stopped me. He said, don't do that again. How many you know when he talks to you that way, he's got something to teach you? I said, Lord, what are you saying? He says, whenever you taught at the beginning of a year, when you prophesied the word, the year coming up is going to be year of fill in the blank. Whatever it is, how many you know it's always an exciting word? God says, I know the plans I have for you. They plans to prosper you, not to harm you. It's going to be a word of encouragement. And it's going to be an awesome year. 
How many of you know that? How many of you excited about 2019? It's going to be awesome. Well, didn't you say that at the beginning of 2018? 2018 is going to be an awesome year. So then how come when we finished, we want to run it out of town? The only reason we want to run it out of town is because the devil has been pointing out all your lions and all your bears and all your goliaths and the things that try to take you down. We focused on all the bad things that happened and the things that hurt me and they broke me and I almost had to give up there and I there. I just need a new year. But family of God, there is a cause. I said there is a cause. Come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Bump your neighbor and tell him he's setting us up. Verse 7. But we have, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's the earthen vessel? That's the body you're sitting in there. You are a spirit being sitting in a body of dust, earth, clay. Now, what is the treasure that we have in this earthen vessel? Come up to verse 3. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, who is that? The devil has blinded, who do not believe, lest the gospel, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So he's talking about the glory of Christ. The glory of Christ. What is the glory? You know, traditionally we think glory is when you see a smoke in the auditorium and people fall over. Now God can show up like that. But glory is potential. Manifested potential. In other words, when you see a massive eagle take off from a cliff and it falls down and it catches the wind and the wind causes it to rise and it lets out that eagle screech. We say, look at that eagle in all of its glory. It's what it was designed to do. See, when you find out what you designed to do, your glory shows up. See, if I was an alien arriving on the earth and I don't know the creatures of the earth and I'm walking along the harbor side and I see this creature, it's kind of long and thin, it's got things like fins on it and it's flopping on the side and it looks like it's dying. I look, this thing, this is a strange animal, it, 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 why is it, it doesn't have legs, feet, how is it going to move around, it's dying, it, it looks like it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's um, broken, something's wrong with it. So I think, oh, shame, it's dead. It's probably just out here. So I kick it into the water, and as it lands in the water, bam, it takes off. What was that? A fish. A fish is designed for the water, not for the land. On the land, it looks like it's dying. You put it in the water, its glory shows up. See, when you step into the cause... That God has called you to. The glory that's in you will show up. That's the treasure that's within you. 
the glory, the potential. If you feel I'm frustrated, I don't know why things aren't working. I don't know why I can't get ahead. It's because you're trying to walk on land when you're supposed to be in the water. And instead of me trying to do everything I think God's called me to do, let me get involved with the cause. Yeah, but I'm a pastor. Get involved with the cause. Yes, but I'm called to preach to the nations. Get involved with the cause. Get into the cause and you will show up. Then I don't have to have somebody tell me they're a pastor. I will see. Because now they're swimming. Come on, you're getting a hold of this? See, when I was called to the ministry, I didn't know what I was called. I, don't know if I knew there was something in me or something happening. I still went, I was just a baby Christian. And, and somebody said, there's a call on your life. I said, I know it. They said, what are you called to do? I said, I'm an evangelist. Because the only one I knew was Billy Graham. They said, what do, you, what do you think that is? So I told them what I believe I'm called to do. They said, that's not an evangelist. Oh. So I didn't know what I was called. I just knew there was a calling. So every time. Pastor Theo announced something. We we're going to go to the hospitals. We're going to go reach out. Yeah, we're going to do an outreach in the township. We're going to go feed people. We're going to go visit salvations. Every time something was announced, I went. Every time. I went. I went. I, went. I just got involved. Why? Wow, there's a cause. Yeah, but I'm not called for that. I don't care. I went. Then what happened was sometimes I felt like a fish out of water. Other times I went where I'm supposed to be. And when I went there, the glory showed up. People went, wow, when you taught there, man, there was an anointing. Yeah, fish, it's not me, it's the glory in me. It's Christ in me. When I am on the pulpit here, I'm a fish in water. You're getting a hold of this. So I can't take any glory for it. Wow, Pastor, that was amazing. Yeah, thank the Creator. He designed, the fish can't say, look what a good fish I am. That's what fish do, fish swim. You can breathe underwater. Yeah, that's what fish do. Come on, you're getting a hold of this? Say, I'm called for a cause. And he's talking about this glory. You see in verse 6, he calls it the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. When you know, when you understand, when you're looking into that knowledge. Now look at verse 7. This is the treasure that we have in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Family, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be up here if God doesn't show up. That's the last thing I want to stand by and you go, I'm on my own. Forget stage fright. That is like, come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you ever had nightmares where you arrived at the office and you had no clothes on. Come on, how many you know what I'm talking about? And then you're in a situation and they ask you to do something that you know you're supposed to be qualified for, but all of a sudden you don't know what to do. That is someone's worst nightmare. I want to be where God's called me to be. Why? Because it's not of me, it's all Him. If He doesn't show up, I'm not doing anything. Uh, come on, give God praise. Yeah. Say the excellence... Say it. The excellence of the power is of God, not of me. And look at verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We persecuted, but not forsaken. We struck down, 
but not destroyed. In other words, devil, throw your biggest shot, sucker. You're not taking me out. I want to read that same verse from the Passion Translation. How many of you been reading the Passion Translation? It's amazing. You've got to get a hold of it. Listen to this. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. Oh, come on, say quitting is not an option. Let me have you know, I don't have the privilege of standing up one day and say to the Lord, I can't handle all the problems. I've been here for 25 years. I think I'm taking a break for a year. Come on, how many of you would be okay if Pastor Theo took a break for five years? Uh-uh. I need his voice here. Isn't that right? Well, I need your voice in your home cell. I need you in the prison ministry. I need you in the missions team. I need you ushering. I need you out there volunteering. I need you to be a part of what God is doing. We don't have the privilege of giving up. And Pastor Helen, I had such a hard year. That's fine. You might have been crushed, but you're not broken. Stand up and don't quit. Shout out, I refuse to quit. I saw this tweet from Mac Hammond as I was ministering on this message last year. And he tweeted this. Circumstances initiate the emotions you face each day. But they don't sustain them. Your emotional state is principally sustained by the pattern of thought you allow to dominate your mind. See, things happen, family. Things happen. And when they happen... An immediate emotion shows up, anger or sadness or broken or that, that's because of that moment in that circumstance. But I refuse my emotion to be allowed to make the decision for my next step. I allow the word of God to make my decision and I tell my emotions where they need to go back to. Come on, give Jesus praise if you got a hold of this. Look at verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, our light affliction, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the guy who has been arrested, beaten, stoned, left for dead. Come on, has anyone here been stoned? I'm not talking about the grass. I'm talking about with, with rocks. Anyone been in the place he was? And he called it a light affliction. A light affliction. Family, what we've gone through may seem like it's heavy. The enemy's focusing on all the things that went wrong in your life. But if you can turn around and say, that's a light affliction. It's but for a moment. Everyone say, but for a moment. Our light affliction is but for a moment. It is working in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are, family, the problems of last year were temporary. 
You made it. You're here today. But the things which are seen are eternal. The things which are seen are eternal. Family, how many know there's an eternity at stake here? We are fighting for the souls of men for eternity. This is not just building a nice place called a church. We, are, we have a cause. And there are giants trying to stop us. But we have a God that wants to help us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Lift your hand and say, thank you, Father. No matter what has happened in my life, no matter what has gone wrong, you have given me grace to help me. Hallelujah. How many of you look back on last year and see some giants? How many of you have been through some giants? How many of you, want to sh- how many of you know this year ahead, there are going to be some more giants? How many of you want to succeed this year? Then do not miss tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, we're going to take what we've built on tonight. And I'm going to give you a tool that will set you up for this year. That by the time you end of this year, you're going to be looking back and saying, Thank God I wish this year was longer. Amen. How many want to see some victories in your life? Come on, give your Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our voices and give our Lord all the praise. He is King. He is Lord. We exalt you, great Jesus. We praise your name. Hallelujah. We serve an awesome God. Amen. He is our Lord. He's our God. He's our King. He's our Savior. He's the Word. He's our light. He's everything we could ever imagine and more. Amen. So good to be in the house of God. This is my home. This is where I was born again. So good to come back home as well. Amen. Just thank God for our pastors, Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev. Come on, let's just give it up for them tonight. Let's thank God that they have been so faithful for all these years. And you know you're in for a good time next weekend. So make sure you bring friends, bring family. Don't come alone. Am I still in CFC? I said, don't come alone. Amen. Amen. How you came expecting tonight? Ready for the word? Father, once again, what a privilege and honor it is to gather in your name, knowing that you are here in our midst. We've come to hear from heaven. And so I'll make it publicly known. I put no trust in myself as a limited human being, but I do submit myself under your mighty hand. I want to be just like my Jesus and only say that which you've given me to say. And that by your grace, I may speak it with clarity and accuracy. That, Lord, as your word goes forth, you're ignited with your presence. Take it deep into the heart of every hearer, which causes faith to rise and dispels every form of fear. As minds are renewed to your word, understanding replaces confusion. I believe that each and every one of us today are transformed from glory to glory. This we give you alone the praise and honor in the name of of Jesus. Family, you ready to receive? Would you shout amen? amen? Praise God. As you see that, open your Bible at 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now, let me just get an indication. How many of you were here last night? Can I just see your hand? All right. How many of you were not here? Let me just see. Okay. So, those that weren't here, I really want to encourage you, if you can, get a hold of that message. That was part one. Tonight, I'm doing part two. 
And I don't know about anybody here, but when I end 2019, I want to fulfill everything that God's called me to do. How many you say amen to that? How many you want to see 2019 be the best year you've had so far? Now, what's happened in the past, when we look at a year that's just gone past, you know, as I said last night, I'm just going to recap very quickly so we can move to where God's taking us, is that sometimes people look at a year that's just gone past and say, thank God that year is over. And usually when you talk to that person, it's because they had so many hassles, so many attacks, so many problems. Let me see, how many of you had a few giants to face last year? How many of you had some attacks? How many of you are looking forward to this year being giant-free? Well, let me help you. This is not a very, might not sound encouraging now, but we'll get there later. There are some giants coming this year, like 2018 and 2017 and 2016 and 2015 and 2014. Every year, people are so glad the year is over. And the Lord spoke to me one day and said to me not to do that, because every time I talk about all the things that went wrong in my life, I'm giving the enemy too much credit. It's like what he did to come and try and stop me, somehow he succeeded. If I came to somebody and I said, you know, uh, I, I was broken and this was my problem and this was hurting. And then somebody laid hands on me. Praise God, God moved and I was delivered and I was set free and this happened and I had this great success. What do we call that? That's a testimony. Isn't that right? So if I tell you how bad my year was and how the devil took me out and he hit me and I got broken and I lost money and I, this person left me and this one stuck a knife in my back, what am I doing? I'm testifying to what the enemy did. Come on now. And I've seen how the enemy has managed to use situations to get us wheel spinning and so we're not able to fulfill the purpose that God's called us to fulfill. And tonight I believe we're going to get to a place where you will be grounded and prepared and ready that no matter what giant shows up, no matter what attack comes, because here's the thing, the enemy's going to try, take his, he's going to try and take another shot at you sometime, but you'll be ready for it. I've got three amens there. I said you will be ready for it, and you're going to have a great year regardless of of the giants and the attacks and whatever comes your way. See, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David had shown up on the battlefield. We had a look at this last night in more detail. I just want to get to the scripture. As you know, when he got down to verse 37, moreover, David said, The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And it's interesting when he refers to this Philistine in verse 36, he called him an uncircumcised Philistine. Everybody say uncircumcised. What does that mean? He didn't have a covenant. You have a covenant, child of God. You have a new and a better covenant that David was standing on. Come on. David had the covenant of God under the old covenant. You have the name of Jesus. And the Bible says at the sound of that name, every knee must bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. You have the full power of heaven backing you up. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. If God is for you, who can be against you? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I'm sure somewhere along the line, I'm going to get people to start cheering and saying hallelujah and give God glory. Can you give him some praise tonight? Yeah. Hallelujah. See, I'm not speaking to a bunch of people that have beaten up and trodden down and thrown out and have given up. 
I'm speaking to people tonight who don't care what's happened in the past and are ready for success. Amen. How do you say amen to that? Amen. And we notice the key that David pulled on in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He says in verse 29, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Everybody say, is there not a cause? See, here's the thing. God calls us for purpose. He doesn't anoint us just so that we look good. He doesn't anoint us so that if someone needs us, we will be available somewhere. No, when you step into your cause, the gifting shows up. Come on, how many of you know that when you've been called to something, you think, you know, when God calls you, you check over your shoulders like me? God, are you sure you chose the right person? And then when you show up, you wonder if you're really going to be able to do it. But the moment you step out the boat, you find out you're walking on water. And you know that's not you. Come on, how do you know what I'm talking about? That anointing shows up. In other words, you're called to a purpose. You're called to a cause. And when you step into that cause, the anointing will show up in your life for that. And so the key is to understand that no matter what happens in your life, everything that goes wrong, everything the enemies try to do, all your lions, all your bears, and when Goliath shows up, it's try to stop you from reaching your cause. But family God, when you recognize that no matter what happens, I don't care who shows up in front of me. If God has called me to go across the Red Sea, how many of you imagine when Moses arrived at the Red Sea, God had just performed an amazing miracle, delivered them, turned the wealth of Egypt over to them. Pharaoh's saying, go, get out of here. And they're running from Egypt. It's like, has this really happened? I mean, this is time for victory. They're so happy. Everything's awesome. Life is great. Until they get to the Red Sea and they look behind them, and here comes Pharaoh's army to come and get them back. So behind them is the army. In front of them is the Red Sea. What do you do? I noticed from the Word of God, Moses didn't go to God and say, God, I've got a good idea. Why don't you open the sea? He had no idea what to do. And when he went to God and said, Father, you did not deliver us so that we would be destroyed yeah? God said, lift up your staff. What do you have in your hand? Just lift that up. And the moment he lifted it up, the Red Sea burst open. I can just imagine Moses looking at that and thought, I would never have thought of that. See, when you show up at your Goliath, you may not know what the solution is. And Saul is trying to put his armor on you. And you're feeling it out and you go, this doesn't work for me. I don't know what to do. All I know is how to sling stones. This was a young boy looking after sheep. And he, you'd practice that slingshot every day. He knew how to swing stones. And he picked up five stones. I don't know how you're going to do this, God, but it's in your hand. I've seen that when you showed up for the lion. I saw it happen when you showed up for the bear. This guy's coming down as well. And all he knew to do was sling a stone. And the moment he slung that stone, God took over and delivered him. Delivered Israel. Come on, give Jesus praise if you're getting a hold of this. And so we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We found out that Paul was talking about the treasure in verse 7. The treasure, the treasure, the glory of God in you. That which you've been created for, that which you've been designed for. Fish are designed to swim in the water. Birds are designed to fly. 
fish that try fly don't stay up long. They come straight back in the water. Isn't that right? They design for the water. So many fish are trying to fly in the kingdom of God and so many birds are trying to swim. We need to stay with where we called. And what you called for, when you get into the purpose of God, you will flourish. That glory that's in you will show up. But the enemy's going to do everything he can to try and stop you finding that glory. And Paul says in verse 7, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Lift your hand and say, it's all up to God. It is His power. It's not up to me to figure out how to destroy Goliath. All you got to do is show up. Hallelujah. Verse 8, he says, Yeah, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Family of God, I don't care what happened in 2018. You can come to me with the biggest, most saddest. You get us all weeping within 10 minutes of telling your story. The point that I want to give you is no matter what happened, you are still yeah. The devil did not take you out and you are ready to take him down. Can I get a bigger amen? Come on, give Jesus praise if you're getting a hold of this. I love the way the Passion Translation puts verse 8. He says, though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. <laughs> Say that. Sometimes I don't know what to do, but I refuse to quit. I wonder how many courses Peter did to learn to walk on water. What class in Bible college got him ready to walk on water? No. He just had to show up. When Jesus said, come, he didn't even have to experiment. Because I can tell you now, if he tried to experiment, Jesus said, come, and he put his foot over the edge of the boat, and he felt that water, it would have felt just as water as water as water. It's, it's H2O. God didn't, you know, when he stepped out, he went clunk, clunk, clunk. That didn't happen. It's the water. So you don't get to test if God says, come, you step out and you start walking. Because he said, come, I don't care if I sink along the way. He's going to have to pick me up again. Come on, are you getting hold of this? How are you ready to take on this year? Hallelujah. See, Paul went on down in verse 16. He says, therefore, well, let's read verse 13 first. 13 is important. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore speak. Now verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Family, how many of you noticed that as you get older, younger people, you don't know what the scripture means yet, but you know, just to set you up. As you go on in time, you find out that gravity starts to have an effect. And you know what I'm talking about. The outward man begins to wind down. You've got to work harder to keep it up. 
But the inward man is being strengthened day by day. Don't look at my outside. Here at Christian Family Church, the older you get, the stronger you get. Come on, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when I want to preach and my body says not now, but I'm going to get up anyway and go for it. You know, I'm not winding down the older I get. Yeah, we get younger and stronger in the inner man. Say amen. amen. Verse 17, our light affliction, our light affliction, our light affliction. This is where I ended off last night. For those that weren't here, this is Paul. This is the guy who was arrested, beaten up, whooped. In fact, at one point they stoned him and, and left him for dead. They thought he was dead. They stoned him dead and then went and he was still alive. I don't know what that feels like. I don't know if anyone here has ever been stoned. And like I said, I'm not talking about the herb. I'm talking about rocks. Anyone been that far where you've been stoned, beaten, persecuted? I don't think any of us have ever been through that. I know some of the things that we've been through is heavy. And there are things that have happened to people here that I would not want to happen to anybody. But family, no matter what has happened, look what happened to Paul, and he called it a light affliction. A light affliction. <laughs> See, it's about an attitude. Are you going to let the devil know that he hurt you? Or when he punches you full force in the face, you look back and teeth may be missing, blood running out, and you look at him and say, was that your best shot? Light affliction. Everybody say light affliction. But you don't understand, Pastor. It's a mindset. I said it's a mindset. I do understand. But it's up to us to pull our shoulders back. And even if tears are running out your eyes, just pull back those shoulders and lift up your voice and know that God has called you to a great purpose. He says, our light affliction is but for a moment. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Family of God, when you look at the eternity of life, you realize we're going to be going for you know that time is a created thing. And so when we go to heaven, time will cease. But so we can understand it in the natural, we're going to be going for millions and millions and millions and millions and billions and trillions and, and gazillions and bazillions of, of years. What is 100 years in this lifetime? It's but a flash. Come on now. How many of you got some memories of your primary school? How long were you in primary school? Seven, eight, nine, ten years, some of us. But Okay, so we were in primary school for a while. Now, if I asked you, tell me your memories of primary school, how long will it take? Maybe five minutes, not even. You might remember one year, that teacher, that little incident. Isn't that right? 
Family of God, the day is going to come when you're going to look back what happened on this earth and you're going to go, remember that time, that one time in CFC? Come on. You're getting what I'm saying? Family, what's happening on this earth is just for a moment, but it's preparing an eternal weight of glory. Oh, hallelujah. Now, even though it may sound difficult, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help when? In a time of need. Not when everything's perfect. If anyone told you now that you're Christian, life is just going to be problem-free, they lied to you. But God does know you're going to have times you're going to need help. That's exactly when you need to go to the throne of grace because there is a grace from God, an empowerment that enables you to supernaturally do what you could never do in your own ability. Lift your hand and say, God has given me power to do what He's called me to do that I would not be able to do in my own natural ability. Look at our Jesus. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. This is Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Family, how do you know we are running a race? And if you're going to run with endurance, it tells me you're going to have to go beyond comfort zones. So if we're going to go beyond comfort zones, he's telling us to run in a way that you're going to have to run outside your comfort zone. But here's your encouragement. Looking unto Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the author and finisher. See, when God calls you and sends you out to do something and you get out there for God, and as you step out, you find out there's an enemy that wants to take you down and start shooting every fiery dart that he could possibly throw at you, you notice God doesn't step back and say, well, I called you, you're on your own. No, Jesus said, if I authored it, if I started it, I will personally make sure you finish. You're going to have to stay close to me, though. Just walk with me, and I will make sure that thing which I prepared for you will come to pass. I'll finish it for you, with you. And looking unto this Jesus who is with you, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen to this. How can someone go to the cross with joy? See, it's not happiness. We've been sold a lie by this world system that we have to be happy all the time. Happiness is a result of your circumstance. Joy is what happens in your spirit. And if you can hook into joy, you'll always be happy. Oh, you've got to get a hold of this. The joy of the Lord is my... Remember Jesus, he, had just, he knows what's coming up. He recognized when he stepped into this earth, I can just imagine, I mean, in heaven, it was already decided. The Bible says before the creation of this world, Jesus was crucified. 
So in the heavenly courts, God the Father said, in order to save mankind, I'm going to create man. I see the fall, and I recognize we have to get it back. Someone is going to have to pay the price, a man. And he says, I want you, son, to go as that man. But you're going to have to lay down your power. You're going to have to walk on the earth as a human, and you're going to have to die the death that they should have died. And Jesus, in the full glory of his power, says, that's fine. I will do it. He has no problem with that. He's God, full of power. And then he comes into the earth, and the Father says, Oh, by the way, you have to be a man. So when you enter into this body, you have to lay down all your power and ability as God. And Jesus steps into a human body, and for the first time, feels what it feels like to be a human. Feels What happens if you cut yourself? What happens if someone turns on you? Someone despises you, persecutes you. And then he realizes as he gains in wisdom what he has to do in order to go to the cross. He has to become son. He has to be parted from the father. He has to go into hell itself. And all of a sudden the persecution and the heaviness and the oppression and everything starts to crush down on him and he's in the garden he begins to sweat blood and he says I don't really I don't want to do this I I recognize where we're going we know in his natural human mind it's no longer his will to do it because he says yet not my will but your will be done I'm not here for me. I don't care what I feel like. I don't care what I have to go through. And he goes and he walks straight into that affliction. He gets beaten. He has his beard ripped out of him. He has a crown of thorns slammed into his head. His body pierced with nails and his side split. And he dies separated from the Father and goes to hell. But he does it with joy. How can someone go through that kind of affliction with joy? Because he didn't look at the cross. He didn't look at the beating. He didn't look at the scourging. He looked through that and he saw you. And he said, I want them more than what it's going to cost me in pain. And he could look past that. And every time they whipped him, he said, that's another sickness destroyed. Go ahead. Another one. Bam. That's another. Bam. That's cancer. Bam. That's arthritis. Bam. He's taking it with joy knowing that every time he's whipped, it's setting you up for healing. Come on, give him praise if you're getting a hold of this. That's why he freely gave up his spirit, knowing that as he did that, he became sin, so that he could freely give you his righteousness. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Family, we need to be like Jesus. Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God as dear children. Luke 12 verse 8. Whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, also will confess before the angels of God. Family, it's up to you and me to make a decision just like Jesus. I recognize the enemy's going to try and attack me this year. But what I'm going to do 
is remember everything God did for me last year. I'm not giving the devil one more line of credit. I'm going to remember when I took down the lion. I'm going to remember when I took down the bear. And I can see a Goliath coming, but I look past my Goliath, and I recognize when I step out in the glory of God, there's going to be persecution. There's going to be tribulation. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world, and I see the cause. I see souls getting saved. I see nations turning to God. I see Bible colleges planted. I see churches going out, pastors setting up glorious, magnificent churches getting people saved across this world. Devil, take your biggest shot because we're going to see God's glory come through every time. Come on, give Jesus praise if you can get that. See, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? After all these things the Gentiles seek, your heavenly Father knows you need these things. But seek first, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day trouble that you have now. Family of God, think about it. The only reason we worry is not even about today. It's tomorrow. Isn't that right? You don't worry today. That you, how many of you got a house to go home to? Everyone, yeah. How many of you okay with your food? You can last at least another week. Okay. Everybody's got clothes on, I hope. You all got transport home? That's why you're here, I'm sure, because you knew how to get home. So right now, you've got absolutely nothing to worry about. I said you've got nothing to worry about then why are we worrying? It's about tomorrow. It's next week. It's next year. Here's the thing. When tomorrow arrives, you'll rename it today. And Jesus said He'll take care of you today. Don't sweat the small stuff. You getting a hold of this? Be aware of what's happening around you. But make a decision. You're stepping out. Here's what I want you to do. When you go home, you've got homework. I want you to get out a piece of paper and look back at 2018 from January. And I want you to write down, don't just think about it, write it down every time God came through for you. Every time He healed you, every time He gave you something through somebody, every time He put a word in you that you gave to someone and they were blessed with it, every promotion, every time you found favor. And I can promise you, you're going to have a list. How many can say amen? amen? And when you focus on that list, you will realize how big the devil tried to make your problems look. Because when you look at the victories of God, you will notice the problems disappear. If those problems cost this kind of victory, I'm happy with that. Because I've seen God kill the lion and kill the bear. And I've seen him move through my life. How many you say amen to that? Let me see, how am you going to do that for homework? Let me see your hand. I want to, don't just say, I'm, I'll do it and then don't do it. Go and do it. And use that as a victory. And you hold it up and say, this is what my God has done. I am ready for 2019. Come on, give Jesus praise. Hallelujah.
Let me end with this. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. I love the way the Passion Translation puts this. Paul says, I admit, I admit, verse 12, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. But I run with passion into His abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget the past. I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Father, I pray for each and every person here tonight, and I thank you for your precious word. And you know every one of us have a story to tell. Every one of us have been through circumstances. But you came through every single time. And we remember that. And we celebrate that. And now as we enter into the throne of grace, I pray for a supernatural grace and anointing to come on every single person here. No matter what the enemy has planned for this year ahead, you've already got it settled. You've already had seen the battle and you already have the victory. That's what we're focusing on. And I pray that that wisdom and that knowledge will be alive in every heart here tonight. And I pray for a grace to come on each and every person in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Just lift your hand and say, I receive that grace. Say, I receive the grace of God. No matter what happens, I'll face it with joy. I'll face it with joy because I know there's a victory happening right in the midst of that battle. The battle is the Lord's. The victory is mine. Now go ahead and give your Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Come on, give him glory like you believe it. Hallelujah. Family, I want you to take this word now and renew your mind to it. Renew your mind because I can guarantee you some of you are going to have an attack this week. That's not a bad prophecy. Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation. But when it comes, don't be sucker punched. When it shows up, you go, this is what Pastor Adam was talking about. Praise God, yeah, comes a victory. And don't worry if you can't see it. You know, I don't know what God's going to do here. Just keep walking. Just keep praising Him. Just keep blessing Him. Just keep honoring Him. And remember what you went through last year, how God got you through. And He's going to do it again. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.